getting like private messages from 16 year old boys going my beard isn't growing fast enough what can i do to encourage or how do i make my beard look bigger i'm like this is not why i started this or what the beards is meant. it's not meant to be another like thing for guys to worry and fret about and this is like yeah no 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 we've missed the point it's becoming like people are being you know it's like i'm a bearded man it's like no i'm a man with a beard there's a difference but yeah yeah. Anyway, so everyone tuning in, welcome to the uh, Beard Chronicles today. Uh, <laughs> got to start somewhere. Uh, got to start somewhere. Hey. So uh, anyway, welcome, welcome to the blokes live. Welcome to the folks already tuned in. Um, I see, Sean, you must actually, you must almost be getting the record for being the the like top fan or something. So thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Does he get a medal? I don't know. Doesn't Facebook give him a? a badge or something surely at some point i don't know i'll, I'll like his comment there you go hey <laughs> so blair in the world of guns what have you been up to you mentioned you might have been getting sick so that might be slowing you down a bit yeah yeah i think the dawn's gave me his corona <sighs> yeah so I, I don't know that uh start starting out of being sick so are you are you going to be the first south island confirmed case is that what you're going to be yeah yeah, yeah, I'm gonna make a big deal about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't think it's too bad. I thought it was just hay fever this morning, but it's not getting any better. So, see what happens. What happens? Yeah. Uh, you been uh, doing anything else shooting wise? Uh, to- yeah, we um, we got out for our second of this year's uh, section twenty two uh, rimfire match up at Sparrow. Oh, fantastic. We had uh, twenty eight or twenty nine shooters. Yep. And um, yeah, three squads, and we had to we had to stop for an hour in the morning because we had eighty eighty k winds that were um, yeah whistling through the range, and so like you couldn't even you couldn't even stand in the range, let alone try and shoot on it. So uh, we eighty k winds, man, that closes Auckland, you know, just like yep. that. It's yep. like the bridges fall over, everyone, all the drivers panic. So yeah, well, you just I, stood um, around, waited for it to stop blowing so much, and got on with it. I had I had my van parked parallel to the um to the wind and so I ended up moving it because I thought it was going to blow over. <laughs> it was it was pretty gusty. It was quite bad. Um, yeah, so we had waited for an hour on uh, Nick Fisher um, of Sparrowhawks. Say so. He said it's going to stop at ten, yep. and at ten o four it stopped. <laughs> so his watch so, is uh, running a bit slow, but he's pretty good otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, no, so it was good. And um, so we were going to split into three areas, but we just ended up splitting into two and we left the long range um, area until the until the afternoon. Um, so we got a little bit jammed up later on trying to fit three squads into three stages down the bottom end of the um, of the range. But um, so we ended up being about about two hours behind schedule. Yeah, um, but we we're still done by five o'clock, which is not too bad. Still plenty of light. And so we got all, all the shooting in. And uh, everyone had a great time. Fantastic. Really yeah, it worked out real good. So you got a, a mix of guys still shooting the semis down there, or is it all mainly bolts? Or Yep. No, we had pr- uh, eight or nine semis that I can think of. There was a couple. Okay. Of, there was a Marlin. There was a couple of, couple of Remingtons and a bunch of Ruger 1022s. Yeah. Couple of standard ones, couple of yep. lightly modified ones, couple of heavily modified ones. 
What, the, the, point, should, the point where it becomes more kid and less 1022? Yeah, there, there was one one very much kid 1022. Yeah. And he was second overall out of everyone. Okay. Yep. And he's a real good shooter. Um, I, I shot my 1022, just got a standard barrel and big scope. I worked out that the um, scope was five and a half times the cost of the gun. <laughs> so I think that's the that's the correct um ratio isn't it that's about good yeah yeah well i mean i ran my i think i had the amg on my 1022 at one point and now you know if i'm shooting the lithgo it's on that so it's not quite five times but yeah, yeah. close yeah good glass is good glass man i think yeah. that's the the biggest thing i notice more and more is that um most of the limitations i see when people are coming out these days is not the guns maybe it's their shooting and yeah maybe just the scope is just not going to dial or work the way they think it is so yeah, and uh, like all, most of the targets, um, well, on, on the smaller targets, we had um, the closer range stuff, and the medium range stuff. Um, the bigger targets were 4 MOA and the smaller ones were 2 MOA. So you could buy a factory gun and if you had a decent scope, you could comfortably shoot that match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, a, it's the, the, the balance of, you know, teeny tiny target sizes that yes are precision and lots of fun but then it's also quite nice to hit some targets and i don't know i've always kind of felt that you don't you obviously don't want like more than one person clearing the whole thing in fact you don't necessarily want a person to clear it yep. but there's a if you can get to that point where guys are almost starting to count their misses you know they're kind of like oh if that stage goes wrong it goes a bit you know but rough rather than if guys are struggling to get hits then it, it just gets frustrating you know there's a um, there's a couple of stages that I put in. The very first one I honestly put in, hoping nobody would get through it. That was that was that was that. That was was it, it was, called the Soul Crusher or something? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it was my Kobayashi Maru. Okay. Yeah. And um, but people started getting all the way through it, and yeah. I I was very I was very surprised. So I added an extra um, position and added a little bit more time, and yep. people are still getting through it. So. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I've been quite surprised. There's only been, only been a couple of people that have cleaned it, um, yep. but um, yeah, people are finishing it where I didn't even expect people to finish it. And it was it was a stage that I wanted to put in that it was going to be a goal for people to to try and complete. Is that because of a, the timing or time limits you're running yep. on it? Time, yeah. time and movement. So what the, what yeah. the stage is is there's uh, four targets and five positions you start from about five meters back move to the first firing position you can do it prone kneeling sitting standing however you want but there's a there's a box that you shoot in um, most people were shooting at prone um yeah two two shots on your first target at 30 meters then you get up move over a meter to the next box two two um, shots on the next target at 50 meters and then next box is 59 meters then the next box is 75 meters. And then once you shoot the 75 meter one twice, you move across into the fifth box and two targets, two shots on each target coming back down the hill. Okay. And all in 80 seconds. Yeah. So you're, run, you're running, you're yeah. jumping, you're yeah, slamming yourself onto the ground. And, and yeah, it's, it's good fun. It gets the heart going and... <laughs> Um, this time I added some drums beside the firing positions to see if people wanted to use the drums and they did. Yep. It was definitely faster and easier. 
Um, so they're going next time. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we've we've had stages where we sort of designed them where we kind of expected the people to time out. That was almost yep. the point, and it was a case of time management and people going. I'm not going to, if I just rush through and miss stuff and drop shots, I may only just make it in a time where the intent was really, you probably won't make time. Yep. So just pace it so you get those shots because those shots that you hit, you know, do get will count. But same thing, then, yeah, people surprise you and do exact, do both and you're like, ah. But um, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the conundrum of the match directors versus the uh, competitors, really, I guess. It's yeah, a, but a balance um, off. Most of, the other, most of the other stages were, yeah, ample time um, yep. I'd, even, I'd even added an extra 30 seconds onto a couple of stages where guys could use tripods so yep. got a little bit extra time so they can actually get themselves up because there's a bunch of people that have never used them before yeah uh, rear support so on my squad i went first and um actually did a wee demo on on how to grab it where, where to position it where before you start and everything and um yeah most of them had a go at it and were suitably surprised how good it was well, I think the thing is, and I like the idea of you sort of going first and sh and showing what's going on, because it's not like really that there's well, we've had a lot of these comps for a few years in the Centerfire and some of the, the some of the twenty two stuff as well, but still, it's all pretty new. There's a lot. I was talking to a guy recently, and there's he was talking about heading to a comp, and it was his first comp, and he's not sure is it a group of like you know these elite guys, and it's like well. There's guys who have been to quite a few of these now and they're, they're getting into it and they're regulars and everything, but there's still a big whack of people who are, they've gone to one, maybe two or, you know, so it's, you know, there's lots of guys getting into it. And I, I think it's the same thing we're looking at doing up here is just, yeah, just like an intro to some basic positional stuff. Because yeah. if that, that will be the big thing. If a guy's come from, I had a guy out on Monday who had shot a lot of Ipsic pistol. So the, the notion of multi... Um, positions and basically running and gunning is not foreign to him so he'll probably transition over quite well but yeah. it's a it's a rifle obviously whereas if someone's shot on on their stomach the whole time and or never had to move with their gun it's going to be different you know yeah yeah you, you you're going to do stuff wrong just try and do it in the right direction yeah well it's as long as it's safe, you can, you know, I don't, it can go totally pear-shaped. As long as it's safe, then it's a learning, you know, experience. Yeah. So yeah. my, yeah. um, my very first stage, I and went to, went to, um, hit the safety for the, the, um, position movement, yeah. um, grab the, um, mag lever, drop the mag out and, uh, grab, luckily I had a sphere mag and it was going to be a mag change stage anyway. So I managed to, to just give <laughs> another mag and carry on. But, like I was meant to do it, but no, it definitely wasn't. <laughs> I, think I, well, I, think I, I think I accidentally dropped the mag at least three times in the match. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that was, was that, yeah, I saw your comment somewhere you were talking about incorporating more mag changes in the <laughs> shoots anyway, because it's what we need to practice. So yes. I had a, um, I had the range on um, Monday as well. I had a Hauer, there's a Hauer 1500, and I, I, I don't know what that was, a, is it like a um, cryptic? Cryptex, I was going to say Kydex, but a Cryptex camo stock. Yeah, um, and it was quite a nice rig because it, it was a 223 and it, it, um, it had uh, one of the ARs uh, during the buyback. So taking the uh, one to five by four scope, put it on there. Yep. So that on a 223, it was super lightweight and quite short. It was, it was a neat little kind of zippy, you know, rangery gun. Anyway, 
But um, the problem I had is a couple of times I would um, snuggle it into, I was shooting it over bags and I'd snuggle the stock forward into the bags and the mag would drop out. And then I realized the mag releases in front of the magazine well. Yes. I'm like, ah, I may have discovered a bit of an issue for this rig as a, um, uh, ever uses a comp style gun anyway. So Yeah, a lot, a lot of the guys, especially um, the guys are using them for um, wallaby shooting and stuff down here, uh, trimming the um, mag catch right out. Yeah. So just a stubby little nothing basically <laughs> otherwise otherwise yeah as soon as you put it on a bag um oh. or a car door or something and well it took me a few goes i was trying to figure out what the hell was going on and i started swearing at howler in general and then realized oh no 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 it's you you're, you're pushing that thing in and releasing the mag out so it's like yeah okay i'm not yeah i, I see the design issue there yeah yeah and i'd like i'd like to blame maruga design for um the mag catch but I put the long mag catch on it, so it's all my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's all good, all enjoyed by enjoyed by all though, and yep. ready for yep. another yep. round. Yeah, very much so. We had a um, couple of wee issues with some scoring malfunctions and stuff like that, but it's all it's all squad scored and squad timed, and yep. so um, and um, just a couple of wee things like that. But uh, yeah, no. Generally, you're running a you're running a paper system in the old clipboards, or are you going digital or? score yeah again practice score yep yeah no it's really good and just like um one of one of the tablets didn't add in the bonus points on one of the stage and yep. didn't notice until afterwards and um just just little things like that but uh, we're definitely getting better at it well we we ran practice score at um the 22 shoots or at least one of them that we did up here but i think the biggest issue was techno fear from some of the competitors that is like ah, i didn't want to or just didn't flat out didn't want to use it and you're like well how are you planning on scoring otherwise? I mean, this is how we're scoring the system, and but certainly tallying it up at the end, because I was walking around and we didn't have a, a Wi-Fi network running. I just walk up to the units and sync them. Yeah. I meant that I knew I had running totals, and at the end it took me no time to give me the over totals. I just checked through everything, was happy, got all the info I needed, and it was done. So, yeah. Yeah, no, yes. I've, got, I've, got, I've got a Steve to do that for me, so it works well. Oh, good stuff. We all need a yep. Steve. Yeah, he um, no, he does a bloody good job of it. He um, loads it all on there for me, and so yep. it's one least job I've got to do. And he's he's done a, done it a bunch, and so turn up at the match, and all the it's all programmed as it should, and we hand out the tablets to the squads and give them back to him at the end, and he syncs them all, and yeah, it's all done. It works bloody well. But so um, you using the guys, uh, the, guys don't, the guys don't get a um, they don't get a choice. They yeah. on a squad they. They're spotting, they're scoring, they're timing, they're doing everything. It's it's part of the part of the rules. Yeah. And um, most of the time, uh, most of the guys are really good about it. There's a couple of guys that are noticeably absent, but um, most of the guys are yeah really really good about it. Well, it's the thing as long as you got a couple of guys comfortable using it and doing it, you're you're away. You're most away the there, you know. And then the other guys, yeah, just hopefully pick up somewhere else yeah always always have two experts per squad and yeah. it makes it a bit easy and then you just get someone that hasn't done it to watch for a couple of shooters and then you go here you go you oh know. man there's a lot of there's a lot of people using the system worldwide they've made it pretty robust so i, I think and hope we see more and more of it because it's it is a great system from yeah. all the all the exposure i've had to it anyway it works so. better on android than apple devices oh really I yeah. had, yeah. I mean, I had a collection. I got. A, I was going to ask that. I got a, cap, a collection of old iPads sitting there that probably a few of them are pretty old in the teeth. But um, 
yeah, we'll uh, we'll slowly look at switching those over. I was looking at going down the Kindle route a few years ago. I think it was when we last did it, but the yeah. Kindle Fires, I think they were using overseas, was a popular thing, but that got a little bit hard as well. So, yeah. Yeah, the screens on the Kindles would be good during the day where you don't have to worry about the light. And stuff. That was the notion, yeah. Yep. So we'll see. Who knows? They might be they might be coming up cheap enough now that to pick up enough for a, um, a competition would be good. Yeah. So. And battery packs. Always make sure you got spare battery packs. Yep. Yeah. Especially down here where it's cold. True. 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 Cool. All right. There's your there's your section twenty two. So there's you got another one or do you have the finals? There's no, another so one and then the finals. The final uh, first weekend of December. Okay. Yep. So I decided the other day how I was going to run it, and what we're going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the points from the previous two matches and yep. percentage of um, from the from the leader, and yep. get uh, get um, split into squads of tens. So the um, top ten shooters are going to shoot against each other, and it's going to be Group A, and the next ten shooters will be Group B. So they're going to have their own championships against just their own squad. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and for for winning that, you get a pat on the back in the middle, and that's it. Well, it was funny. We had a um, a couple of guys out again on Monday. As it turned out, all three of us who were out there were all heading down to Tarata to a shoot. So, and they're like, "Oh, well, how's the scoring going? Figuring how it was going to go for divisions and everything." I'm like, "Look, if if you're worried or you you you're any got concerns at the end of it, just come up to me and we can compare our scores and we can compete, and we'll ignore everything else and we can just see how the three of us go." I mean, this is a Guys can over overthink or over worry the competitive side of it. It's just like go shoot it and then catch up with your mates, see how you did, see how they did, rib each other a little yeah. bit, remember your score next time, see if you do better, and don't worry about comparing yourself to a guy who's shot every single match since they've started and has yeah. twice the gear and three times the experience. Don't do that. What's the, what's yeah. the point? So you know <laughs> you can yeah. you can you oh, know, yeah. depress yourself if you really want to, but why? So. I um I worked out the scores from the last three matches that we've had. So November last year, June this year, and the one, October one we've just done. So mm -hmm. it was about five hundred rounds shot, and the top two shooters separated by four targets. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, nearly yep. nearly three thousand points, and there's uh, forty points between it. And That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Oh, good. All right, man. Well, anything else? No, that's the most of, of, of the time passed anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, just dropped my 260 off to get um, the throat reamed out a little bit longer. Yeah. It was, it was only done at Sammy Speck when I when I first did it, and I haven't, haven't had a chance to do anything about it now until now. Gotcha. So just doing that now, and uh, also going to put a 40 MOA rail on it when it comes back, and a new scope. Mm-hmm. So, some new new stuff put on it, so that should be good. Getting tickled up. That's the two sixes. Your main competition gun is that yep. the the white chassis that I see in the photos? Yep, that's the one. Yep, stormtrooper gun. The stormtrooper gun. Well, it's the same thing, and I, I, I I'm not quite stealing your idea, but certainly I'm I'm thinking of the same idea because it's mine's my six Creed Moors back in the chassis, and I've often thought, yeah, it's time to get that done white and done, you know. Yeah. I, I may or may not have appropriate patches that would go with the whole, you know, LARP outfit at the same time. So, yeah. Yes. No, there's been many comments about having to get the, bring the helmet to the next shoot. Pretty much, yeah. 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 And there's got to be some tie-in with stormtroopers really can't shoot straight, so you must be like the, the anti-trooper or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
No, no, that's my excuse for, for, for doing shit. For not hitting. Well, what did, yeah, where's your expectations? What are you expecting from me? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was all good. Oh, well, that's all good. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, I had, the guy, had a couple of guys out shooting on Monday, so we set, we're setting some rifles up for that. I, uh, I, got some, I got some more patches in the mail, funnily enough. I had a mail call finally come in, so the patches are up. But I'm, I got some sweet-ass stickers at the time, and there, you might, there is a theme to them all. Uh, so the, the Tatooine uh, and uh, right. my, my personal favorite at the moment. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, like they they released the patch just after I'd put that order through, so I'm tempted yeah. to get that one as a patch as well. So, yeah. who's that three? Um, Neo Tactical guys over stateside. Yeah. So um, there was a particular patch that Matt has that I just wanted wanted one of, and found that they did one, and then saw all the Star Wars stuff. So I was like, ah, oh, okay, and got some other other bits and pieces that will turn up. So people love to give me stick from the patches, but pff, whatever. Oh, I'm, like- I'm in it for the fun. Yeah, I've done, I've done a bun- bunch of patches and uh, we've got a whole heap and I gave them away as prizes for a long time and yeah, I thought more people would be into it and some some are but just not enough so I, just, I sort of stopped. Yeah, well that's the thing. I guess it's a uh, yes, yeah, like you got to have somewhere to put them, so it means you've got to yeah. have gear to put them as well. And I mean, I I've always enjoyed it. I've always had a, enjoyed a bit of Velcro and stuff just to personalise things and and again to have a bit of fun. That's the thing. Um, people like, oh, you know, tactical patched up. I'm like, well, look at the patches I've got. I obviously have got my tongue firmly yeah. in my cheek when I kind of wear these or put them on or, or read my read my competition my competition shirt. Actually, read what's on it, and you realise that I'm not taking it that seriously at all. You know, I mean, you obviously look very tactical. Obviously, yeah. It's the beard. Yeah. It's the you know. It's over um, here. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Glasses. You know, we're in, we're in collar and shirt. Anyway, so so yeah, so I got those. Um, so that was good, and then I got um, fix-it sticks. So I got a couple of smaller torque nice. limiters because I've only I've had a twenty, so I got the fifteen and the eighteen, and then the um, extended bit that will go into the action screws as well, and the chassis and the other things that you can't normally reach up into. So yeah, um, I've got I've got the fix-it sticks uh, yep. deluxe kit. So mm. it's just got the um, hasn't got the individual limiters. It's got the um, adjustable uh, oh yeah, piece, and yep. um, it's good. No, I really like it, and uh, yeah, I, I I got it because I didn't want to have the multi different bits. I just wanted to have one one uh, one piece that I could just do everything with. It does chassis? It does chassis bolts and everything, so it's good. Yeah, oh, it's I've I've seen a few more of them have turned up. Even guys bringing uh, when they're bringing their rigs out, and they're at least they're they for a start. They've got a toolkit. <laughs> of some kind which is a bonus and uh, more guys are turning out either with the fix it sticks or some kind of torque limiter um again just consistency so it's like you know i mean guys can play with exactly how much torque is on there but at least you, you've got a starting point so you can manage it from that and I, I still see plenty of scopes scope rings coming out that seem to be on far too tight so we um at the uh, remarkables match had a guy at the end of the day scope come loose and um, luckily, I had a flat base bubble level and a round bubble level. So we put the round bubble level into his um, Picatinny rail on, put the yep. flat base onto his scope, tightened it all back up, fixed it, sticked it, chalked it down, and he won the match. <laughs> Which you need to take full credit for. <laughs> well, fix, it, yeah. fix it, sticks does, or somebody does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like he, he was screwed. 
like like it, it was completely yeah. loose. And um, yeah, luckily we yeah couple a couple of levels and um, just I just leave them permanently in the wee bag that comes in the fix it sticks and. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing. I don't, I can't remember. I don't know if I started carrying these. They, I don't think it was a directly as a result of my chassis near that, my action nearly falling out of my chassis at the Alpine Long Range rig. But certainly, I, Sam I do remember having, that. Oh yeah, well, certainly, I do remember it. Certainly, Sam having his an Allen set of Allen keys is like yep. save the day again because you're just like, did oh, he only have, did he only have one set of Allen keys? I thought he would have had. He probably had all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he had his truck there, so he probably tried to weld the whole thing back together for me as well, just to fix it. You know, so. Did he show you his massive belt buckle too? <laughs> what are we? Oh, we're talking about his belt buckle. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah uh, I think I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know, man. Even if it's a basic setup, yeah, it may not be the fancy fix at six, but yes, a set of Allen keys and Imperial or metric, depending on what you're shooting. And of course, these yeah. days you normally need both because probably your scope and your rings are one, and your yeah. chassis is the other, and all kinds of things. I've had a few. What's been in it? I've had a few scope bases and and um, scope rings recently, where I swear one of the screws is a the different size. Yeah, and of course you end up stripping, you know. So I'm starting to get a few spare screws and stuff as well because yeah. some of that manufacturing tolerances, I, you know, gotta wonder. Yeah, yeah, but um, no, definitely you need you need a set of everything to do up everything on your rifle. Yeah, from yeah. one and a half mil Allen key for your um your um turret caps, all the way all the way up to your five or six mil for your um, chassis bolts. Yeah. yeah. Now I tell you, well, actually, one of the other most useful tools I probably carry on me all the time is this guy, because that's perfect for tightening up those Harris, those light Harris um, uh, cant uh, oh, yeah. adapter things, you know, because you go finger tight, and then I normally get that under there and just yeah, and the guys are sweet. When I when I was running mine, I had a um, little eight mil T bar made up especially for it. Yeah, just yank on that every every beginning of every match and. It would, be good for the rest of the match then but well i'd say i used to always recommend the pod locks to everybody right because it was like that mod you put on there and i've got pod locks on all pretty much all mine but again i find yeah i'm setting it once and then leaving and i'm not really reaching forward and loosening and then tightening up so i say to guys it's like don't worry about a pod lock but <laughs> get a leatherman instead because yep. you just or something just tighten it up at the yeah at the front of the the shoot or the beginning of a day or now and then and then then you're good to go yeah because yeah, they're they're um you can adjust them enough you can talk them nice and tight so that yeah. free stand but they're still and they still move well enough that you can adjust them on the go yeah uh, that's that's how i've got mine done i just use the eight mil bolt inside the thumb screw tighten that down and then it can't come any looser and um, there's still enough adjustment there. I still use the um, Harris every now and again. Um, and every time I do, I remember why I didn't use it anymore. But yeah, it's, yeah, that's all right. Oh, but, but again, it's the guys who they have a Harris or they have a knockoff Harris or they have something similar, you know. And it's, um, I'll tell you what, there's the, there is that, there's a can thing and the other thing that still bugs me for guys listening in, if they're going to get themselves a bipod and it's going to be a Harris or Harris rip, go for it, but please get the notch version. Don't get the ones with those buttons and those tighty things where you have to, yeah, you have to hold them half open to tighten it up and then you loosen and then you push a button, the whole thing collapses in on itself and falls over. It's just like, it's a, I suppose it's, if you're setting and forgetting it for a hunting thing, it's fine, but try and do any of that with any kind of, I don't know, haste behind Beneath. it. Yeah, finesse, and then you release it, and your gun falls over, and the whole thing slops over and rolls down the hill, and 
you know. But if you are not... going to, make sure someone's filming. Of course, of course. They just let me know, and I'll probably be trying to film behind you if I see you using one of those Harris types anyway, so. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. so yeah so what uh, bipods what are you using you got an architect you're an atlas man you were running a what no i'm um i'm selling no i'm selling i'm selling some the um they're an lra copy um and they're uh, the what sort of style are they? they've got the cradle in the in the base and um okay. i like them because like even even if the can adjustment is loose it, and you can you can rock the pistol grip as much as you want it won't actually move you've actually got to slide it through the um through the half round to get it to move so you slide yep. it once you can you can rack the bolts half as hard as you want and it, it's not going to change gotcha uh, so i really like that but it's not as i it's not ideal for really fast-paced um prs stuff where you where you are adjusting the cant on the fly at, between stages as well mm. so it's, it's not as good for that um, so I'm going to get a I'm going to get a uh, Skypod as well. Yep. But there's some mini monies to save for that first. <laughs> I swear, last year last year was the year of the bipod. You know, it kind of went from being the Harris or an Atlas and Architect, and then suddenly everybody seemed to have a bipod, yep. um, which is cool. It's same thing, but now guys are like, oh, what bipod do I get? I'm like, I don't know, man. There's so many varieties over there, and everyone has their own. You know. I got a, I got a, um, Jeff, I, I got off him one of the, um, uh, Arca Swiss rails for the bottom. So then I converted my Atlas. So it'll run on that whole Arca Swiss up and down, but then I still have my fusion, um, bipod, which was vertebrae, which was a carbon fiber, which sits, you know, down into it yeah. as well, which is like, yeah, I was going to say, it's not the elite iron. That's the full round anyway, but I still like that. It's, um, drops a whole center of gravity, but although I don't have to adjust it very much because it's on the spigot that that um, AccuTech style, yeah. whatever that style of spigot is, it's too far forward. I'm not actually able to reach the thing once yeah. it's on the end of my gun because it's just lengthwise. But it's all right. If I have to reach and change my bipod that much, I've kind of, you know, screwed everything anyway. Yeah. So Yeah, I've got um, Arca Rail on, on all my guns. And down here, I... You're honestly screwed if you don't have at least leg extensions or able to bring the the bipod back on the on the on the stock to get that extra elevation. Like every yeah. single match that I go to, you need it somewhere along the line. Um, yeah. Either that or shooting off tires or decks or something like that, where you can bring the bipod to the rear of the gun, and um, then you can still have front and rear support as well, and it makes a massive difference. Yeah, I've never. It's huge. Yeah, I've never, I've, I've, I've sort of, I got the um, really right stuff. I got one of their adapters to the Arca Swiss, uh, Picatinny to Arca Swiss ages ago. So that's what I ran on that and on my Taco One as well. And I got the rail off, off Jeff. So I haven't played with that notion of moving that bipod back and forth. I, I understand it. I've seen it. But but just that subtlety of a little bit, little bit further back for the elevation is kind of cool. I hadn't actually thought about that. Um so I, I don't know. I'm just weighing between that, but I still, again, it's the then I've got I'm on the Atlas, so it's higher versus the Fusion, which is a little bit lower. And if I put a Arca Swiss adapter onto the Fusion, because I got a, I could do it, but then it's probably down the same length as the Atlas anyway. So, yeah. oh, the conundrums, I tell you. Yeah. So yeah. So I, so I got anyway. I got the um, I got the fix it sticks, and then the other thing, I went to the audiologist today. So I got um, some my custom in ears. Um, which I've I lost my last pair. I've run these for a few years. I've actually I originally 
uh, started getting these when I was DJing. Um, so I'd, I'd wear them for the DJing and for the motorbike because I just, yeah. you know, I lock there. And then every couple of years, really, you should go get your molds done because I now know your, your ears change slightly. Um, but I just flat out lost the last lot. But, you know, the insets are new as well. So new design, everything improves a bit. So I got those. But as a strange coincidence, I also had these turn up, which was the 3Ms, which is the active in-ears. So... Which I really like. I love these. I've always I've always had the the pal tours, the over ears, but I, I can't wear them shooting. They're a pain in the ass to me because they sit on the stock for me. Um, so I like the idea of active, but in ears. Uh, but so far at the moment, the fit on these things is not questionable. I I put them in. I I do the whole over ear stick the things in because I you know I've been drilled how to do earplugs properly, but. My, I guess my one concern is, is that these could be used without being inserted into the ears properly, which means they won't be doing the uh, reduction, the actual ear protection side of things. So I've been talking about these matched into the custom molds. So that'll be the next mission. Yeah. Yeah, I really so, need to get some um, decent earplugs as well because I, I run just, I, fo I put foamies on when I'm racing the motocross bike. So yeah, new shit. So I really should do something decent. I don't, uh, I'll see, I might have a pair of them here. The other thing they gave me, which I got a couple of pairs of, where are they? They sent me the, uh, I think they called them the combat plugs, which yeah. is three M's ones, that, which is switchable. Um, so they, they, I'll try those out as well as, as a nice option. They, we know they're not going to be disposable, but they're, 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 you know, switchable passives rather than active. Um, I, I confirmed they are the different model from the one that the U.S. Marines were suing Paltor about um, from a few years ago. <laughs> They've definitely learnt that trick. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was cool. And then, as you saw, I, I uh, bit the bullet and ordered uh, eight packets of factory ammo. So that's turned up and is sitting in the safe. I just cry a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah. Ouch. Only hurts a little bit. Oh, it only hurts yeah. if you look at the bank account. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I will see the uh, the dies. Uh, I was hoping they might turn up in time for, for the next shoot, but then it's turning up in time, having time to do the actually develop a load for the gun and and shoot all the brass at least once. So it's fire form. So I thought stuff it. That's now done. I have the ammo and I've got some extra to to play with, so I don't have to panic and worry about that. Well, so what brass are you going to use when you eventually start reloading it? I've got the brass here, so I got Peterson brass. Yeah. Um, so I've got 150 rounds of that. Uh, went with the small primer, um, six Creedmoor. So that's pretty much sitting there. The dies are on order, reading dies. The instant indicator turned up before the dies turned up, which is, you know, so I can measure all the factory ammo and see how consistent that is. Yeah. And um, projectile wise, just trying to figure out. I mean, I could go with the ERDMs, but there was also some um, burgers that I, or Burgers, Burgers, however. Um, the 109s, I think it is, the long-range hybrids, which should be coming in. So I'm going to try and get some of those and build something up around that. Yeah. Just because I can see it. So if everyone picks up like they do with everything else, as more people get into six Creed, more the ERDMs could be hard to come by. Yeah. Because they will probably be the go-to. So I figure I might as well try and get a build or a load on something slightly different from the start. Yeah. Everyone that's got a 6.5 Creedmoor needs to start building a 6 mil Creedmoor now. When it's using 140 ELDMs, you need yeah. a six millimeter Creedmoor. Yeah. What you need. Yeah. 
well, look, this this thing I've I've only I've only put a box of ammo through it, and I'm just like, holy hell, you know. And uh, this is something that's was, was funny. I was, I was gonna. Um, this is sort of one of the loose subjects for the night. Is that like so? On Monday, we had a uh, 6.5 TAC A1, my one. So the guy bought it off me. So um, he's had it. He was shooting that. We had a um, three, it was a 308 T3 T3. Nice scope on it. Pretty simple system and everything. Both suppressed and then my six Creedmoor. So that was all good. But then we had, I had a 308 unsuppressed that I needed. No, no, sorry. I had the 300 Wisdom there. That was suppressed that I needed to zero and confirm for a mate. So after a day shooting two four threes, actually, two two threes, the three oh eight was the biggest thing and that was suppressed, and we only put a couple of rounds through that. My six creed, six five, I shot this three hundred wisdom and I was I was suddenly and very quickly reminded that some guns actually recoil. Yeah. Um so uh, ha- then happily got back to the six creed more that's just a pussycat because the thing weighs so much and is just doesn't recall much at all anyway can on it um but the thing i was thinking about is uh, like often now and i'm kind of harping on about it with guys about trying to shift the the buttstock further into line with your um in line central so it's actually for me now sitting up pretty much on top of that collarbone it sits on the bone um but then how quickly you realize shooting the bigger guns that that doesn't quite work and it drifts i've got a 300 wind mag in the safe i need to set up next week and i'm not going to be sitting that in the middle of my collarbone um but so harping on about recoil management and and getting everything lined up getting everything straight to stop that thing hopping but then also realizing guys are trying to do that with some guns that just buck and are not heavy and they're light and they're, they're hunting rigs essentially, but they're trying to bipod and rear support and everything. So I guess my question was, is are you trying to consistently shoot every gun the same or do you find that position on your shoulder just has to shift depending on the recoil and basically how much it punishes you? I've only got a couple of guns, well, a few guns myself, and the biggest one's the 260, so it doesn't kick much. Okay. But I've definitely brought it in a lot more than what I used to. Yeah. And it's definitely helped. And one of the biggest things I've noticed is um, a lot more comfortable. You're not craning your neck over to try and get it on the stock. Mm -hmm. Um, You're basically just sitting your head forward onto it, and, and you're good to go. But I, um, I've shot 338s and uh, 300 uh, wind mags and stuff like that. And I don't don't notice myself shooting them any differently. I mm. get behind the gun exactly the same. I fall on behind it from square and it, it goes in the same place. But, I mean, I'm usually only firing a handful of rounds for each of them. Yeah. Um, the last one I didn't refire um, was a... Um, uh, 338 DTA and it was a right-handed DTA and I was shooting it left-handed and my cheek was on the bolt. My cheekbone yep. was hard on the bolt and yeah, I would, I will never ever shoot that gun again. It was not nice. It's it, not pleasant. Yeah, yeah no. Um, I've, I've shot, I've shot um, DTAs, right-handed DTAs before and uh, 50 cals and stuff like that. Um, no problem. I'd shoot them all day. But this, the way this one was particularly set up, I don't know what it was, whether it was a scope bite or something. But yeah, it was it was right on my right on my cheekbone. The the kick and everything on the collarbone, everything was 
was not a problem at all. Um, but yeah, no, I won't Smack be shooting into the cheek. Have you noticed? Because I've noticed exactly the same thing. I've always I look at photos of me shooting from from a year ago or even probably less than that. And yeah, there's always been a big cant uh, on my head because the same thing. It's sitting out here, and then I have to sit over to get onto it to line everything up. So as I've brought it over, I've straightened up, which has also meant for me as I've dropped that cheek riser down, and for me now I have almost less of a cheek weld and more of a jaw weld going on because I find I'm trying to line it up here so out out sort of here where it used to be would set it out too far so I'm I'm if I'm weld welding and I'm not really there's no much not much weight on it these days is it's sitting about there on my face I think yeah which has meant that yeah I drop that which then you scope let you have to readjust your eye relief and everything on it so yeah yeah I I didn't notice it for a long time until yeah like say you look at a photo or video it's out and oh, it looks different but, um, yeah. Well, I'd notice a neck. I'd notice that I'd always be like cricket. I have neck issues anyway. So, you know, it wasn't, didn't fix my neck problems, unfortunately. But yeah, it was like you'd shoot for a bit. And now, watch now, guys, where they shoot for a bit and you see them just trying to, you know, stretch their necks out because they've been sitting over like this for any period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really noticed that one day I was shooting a match with a, with a guy and he was a hunter and he literally had the rifle all the way out on the edge of his shoulder. And he was hard over and like he was basically craning his neck just to get into the scope and i said something to him about it i said oh you really need to bring it bring it in so you can just you just drop your head onto it you don't stretch your head onto it and wouldn't have a bar of it said no that's how that's how i shoot all my guns and and like it was a good shooter and there was, there was no doubt about that but it just yeah it was a, a lot of effort for him to get behind the gun well, it was interesting on Monday, the guy came out, uh, transpired, had worked for the forestry service for a while, so it was essentially one of the deer colours, so I had shot a lot, you know, in, in a hunting situation, and I said, all right, well, the way you've got a bipod, you got, you, I can see you're kind of setting this up for the more modern style of shoot, or your equipment would indicate that you're trying to do this more modern style for front support, right? So it's like, I'll show you something, I'll show you how I was taught to shoot, how I've always shot, because I kind of came in... After, you know, I've always shot the, the modern, we'll call it the modern style of shooting with the front support. So I said, I'll show you this. You can try it if you've got 40 years of shooting the other way and you, you're going to find your hips are naturally just going to gravitate back out because you've shot that way, but I explained that. And um, biggest thing for him is he had the very traditional grip going on. So he was just like on the front edge of it. So I said, okay, let's change your hand and everything. And initially he's like, this is bloody uncomfortable and feels weird but after he'd shot a few he said it's still uncomfortable but i can see the point of it so he persevered with it and then by the end of the day he's like yep that's cool i got it for this this is for this particular setup and the way i want to shoot this and what i want to do with it i can see the point of it um and he was an ipsic shooter pistol shooter as well so i guess he kind of saw the gaming you know the trigger that side of it so yeah it's just interesting but it's as I said to him, it's not like this is set in stone either. Is we're all kind of looking on the internet, and there's guys always trying new stuff and going, "Has anyone tried this?" And everyone tries it, and sometimes we're like, "That really doesn't help," or "Hey, that actually worked." Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. There's no, there shouldn't be dogma at the moment. It's it's kind of cool that it's a live technique that's Constantly evolving. evolving. Yeah. yeah, 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 and it's how it should be because there's yeah a lot of people will go the are shooting with the um the semi free recoiling and and yep. um all that sort of stuff and they've gone from fully recoiling so you're hardly even touching the gun to 
to semi light recoiling and and um, all that sort of stuff and depending on what you're trying to do in the certain situation there's different ways of doing things mm. and, um, I think it's 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 come a long way I mean I try and shoot everything the same trying always try and get square always always try and get my shoulder on the gun like the the 260 doesn't hasn't got much recoil but it's got enough that if you're not in a good decent position you you're not going to spot your shot um, and like watching people like um, Sam DuPont shooting the wind mags and stuff like that and he, he's really good at getting really square behind the gun and um, make, making sure that he should better see most of his impacts and mm -hmm. um, and it definitely makes a big difference yeah well I think the thing I'm aware of is even though I'm shooting what are basically light recoiling guns most of the time even most of the hunting rigs that come through is it's you know the 270s are generally the biggest stuff that regularly comes through like th I'm saying that and then a 300 wind mag unsuppressed turns up just for shits and giggles but um yeah, I, I make sure I try and shoot them all consistently. I'm still holding on to all of them. Even my six Creed more is, yeah, I'm not going to be holding it lightly because, yeah, stuff still gets out of your hands. And also then you turn around and shoot something bigger and it just punishes you because you don't actually have the thing shouldered properly. So yeah. I want to at least have some level of consistency between it so I can comfortably pick up most firearms and shoot it pretty consistently, whether it's mine or a client's or somebody else's, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, if you if you aim to shoot everything correctly with the good fundamentals, you should be able to pick up anything and shoot it well. Mm. And, um that's that's the way I try and try and shoot my stuff. And like there's there's plenty of ways that you can cheat the system and um do some things better, like especially shooting off tripods and stuff like that. You can free recoil them. Like the the, the gun's gonna shoot much better than you will. Um, so the, the more of you you put into the gun, the worse it's going to shoot. Um, but if you've done something wrong, you don't see where it's gone, then it's a, it's a shot wasted, and you're not going to you're not going to be able to um, get back on target if you can't see where it's gone. Yeah. So, well, that, I think there was a big big realization people had with that whole free recoil thing. Is yes, you you influence the gun more, but it's great as long as you're hitting. Yep. If you miss something, it will not be on target. It will have come off target, and now you're not blind, but you certainly don't have that info. And that was the same thing this guy on Monday realized as soon as he could see those shots, I can kind of step back then and go, well, now you've got it. You've, you've got it yourself. Now you can start correcting. We can, I can look at you. I don't have to look at spot your shots anymore. Yep. And um, now it's just refinement, refinement, refinement. It becomes that, that loop. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. yeah, it's really hard. And I was explaining to him because what's been cool is, I'm on the spotting scope, but then I'll make sure they all get on the spotting scope because a lot of these guys have never seen trace before. Yeah. So they see trace. So that's as that's as exciting as seeing if the first time they hear that steel hit is they're like, my God, I can see the bullet in the air. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're watching the bullet go through. There's fun with that. Yeah, well, but that's, that's fine. That's cool. That's the understanding we need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, watching that and I was explaining to him, it's like, but if I'm on my rifle doing my job, I'm hopefully got that second round off before you've kind of processed the data yeah. and trying to give you me a correction. The difference and and where you're aiming and where it's impacted, yeah. trying to communicate that, the next round's already gone. Yes, because and because I'm the person shooting, I should have all that, that data and that thinking already going on because I know where I held so I can adjust quickly, whereas the, the guy behind the scope has one got to register where it's gone on, figure out a correction, call it to me. And yeah. I, I would wait in their case because I'm trying to get them to call. I'm kind of waiting, but I've already known, I already know what my correction would be for it. 
Yeah. Um, and then a few times you just shoot it while they're still trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, we had some good examples of that. The 22 match in the weekend, the, um, the long range stages started at 150 metres, then 190, then 230 was one stage. And then the long range stage was, I brought it down. It was meant to be 370 metres, but it was going to be windy. So I brought it, brought it down a little bit to 330. Um, so it actually worked out the, the data on that 330 metres was the same as my data for 1600 metres with my 260. Okay. Yep. Same same drop, um, and we could see some. There were some guys in like with bolt guns and semis, but like some of the guys with the semis, they'd have three or four rounds in the air by the time that the spot has called his correction from the shot before, mm. and just simply because you could yeah see see your splash, he corrected straight away, and it was in the air, and you next one was gone, next one was gone, and the spotter was only just trying to communicate where the first one had, was gone. Yeah, all the rest were already underway. Well, and that's that's the that's the goal, I guess, is that you're confident enough to just go get that next one down there. You know, if you're reliant on the spotter behind them, behind you, then you are going to be slowed down to the space that the spotter can do what they need to do. Yeah, early days it's fine, but the other trick is as well as if I am spotting and I call somebody's correction, I I get to the point where I'm kind of like, I call them a correction, then tell them to shoot again because the wind is changing and everything's changing and that correction is only valid for as long as that wind stays the same. And I've found for most of what we do is the elevation's dialed in, the elevation doesn't change. It's just wind kicks our ass and it's just going left, right, left, right. So, well, the quicker you can get that second round off from the correction you've seen on the first, the more in the same environment you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was especially important and um, on that 330 meter target because we were shooting up about 15, 16 degrees, and mm-hmm. we were shooting along a ridge line from behind a bank of trees, and so we had wind, and it was complete like wind's invisible anyway, but there was yeah. absolutely nothing. You you the wind at the, at um, the firing point was different than what it was halfway up. And yep. it was different at the target again. And so you'd fire one shot and you'd put money on nothing has changed. And then all of a sudden you're half a meter off the target. And mm-hmm. um, so you just had to get your rounds down as quickly as you could. Uh, yeah. Because you just, you had no time. If, if you took your time, you were screwed. You'd have to start again pretty much. Well, I'm, I'm, I occasionally look into it, but I am yet to see a, a, functional or useful way of of reading that wind and that that area in between and that you know we where we shoot the firing point and where the targets are we're over a valley essentially and same thing i know just because i've shot it enough that the wind is coming up in a generally in a certain direction but yeah the trees or the bulrush or anything that you can see is not indicative of what's going on in that valley so it is not well it's a guess until you shoot and then you see exactly what the wind is doing and you can correct off it but if you're just sitting there that first round is man so it's time and time again it just proves me wrong despite me sitting there and and trying to think it all through and today it feels like it'll be up here and then you take a shot and you're off a plate and you're like i don't need to hold any wind at all today so yeah Yeah. and like when when the wind's like light like five to ten k winds yeah it's pretty hard to see like a two or three k difference Yep. Um, especially when you're looking at, at scrub or matagaris or grasses or anything like that, that mm. looks pretty much the same. 
Yeah. Um, unless you see a bit of a gust, but if it's just a just a slight pickup, it's enough to blow a twenty-two off off target a long way, especially at that sort of distance. Mm. You can't see it. So the next match, I'm going to put um, ribbons all the way out on the on the target, so at least we can at least we can see something. I haven't really got too many other places that I can put these long-range targets for this for this particular match. So it's a good, it's a good hill, but it's just got this we just this wee eddy that comes around and it just stuffs things up. So <laughs> well, it's one of those things. It's a good. I mean, the idea of the ribbons again is is a great learning opportunity for people that they can kind of figure it out. And I I find a lot of what I'm doing these days especially if guys are coming out hunting and wanting to get into long range hunt long range hunting yeah it's kind of showing them that this wind is going to kick your ass if you are not very careful about what's going on and even if you are sometimes doing the best of everything it's still going to kick your ass because it's wind yeah yeah it doesn't yeah you i've seen even some of the best callers in the world like you just unless you've been ex shot exactly that shot before with the same wins you you're not going to get it perfect mm. um, that's yeah that's again why spotting your shot is so important yep so um uh peter in the comments here is just was talking about the good trigger work with a good trigger so something i've had come up more and it's something i say so i did uh, last weekend i did four licensing courses for the msc as well so another 60 people off on their way to firearms ownership but one thing I kind of harp on to them about is the notion of not going super lightweight on the the yeah. triggers as well. And the guy on Monday when he turned up, he said, oh, I've got a super light trigger on the gun. And my first thought was, oh, this will be like how, how light is light? Can I put a can I put my finger on it? What's what's the deal, you know? And it turned out actually it wasn't as maybe as light as he thought or as light as, you know, I've had much lighter triggers. It was actually a really nice trigger, um, a ticker that I think was just, nearly at the bottom of a factory adjustment i think so yep. um so yeah, right. i've i haven't i haven't measured mine recently it's a timney um not the calvin elite but it must i don't actually i'm keep reminding get myself a trigger scale just so i can have these conversations and go well my triggers it this way but it's it's definitely enough that i can put my finger on there i can mesh it on there and when i want to i can make it go bang or yeah. i cannot and it won't go bang and unless I'm dry firing and really trying to push something for some reason, which I was doing last night, um, I'm not going to have an accidental discharge. It's not going to go off out me wanting. So what's your trigger weight? What's your thoughts on triggers? Have you, are you go super light? Have you got something a little bit moderate? What's the mili military grade, like 10 pound or? <laughs> no, I, um, I, was, I was like my Tika standard triggers. I've put um, some uh, trigger springs in, uh, not all of my teakers, a couple of them anyway, I've still got a couple that are still factory um, springs, but they've been lightened down. But the, the spring makes a big difference in feel, like even if the weight's the same, because um, I've been selling selling the Eurodave springs as well, um, yep. and I've sold a bunch to, to various guys, and some guys have modified them by trimming the springs, um, some by trimming the grub screw back, and um, talking to Bob the other day, he's just put one in his match gun, and he's adjusted it to exactly the same weight, which was, oh, it was just under one and a half pounds, I think. Um, but he said the feel is, is a noticeably better feel and um, there's nothing he can do for it to bump fire. Like, whereas yep. an old one, he'd get it to bump fire. So just the, the lighter spring is holding it firmer, 
but allowing the same pull. Um, and so mine's should be just on one and a half pounds, I think it was last time I measured it. Um, and it's enough to depress the skin. So it's got, you're basically hard to get, well, not hard against the bone, but it's, it's firm. So yeah. um, then, you're, then you're actually using some I don't know, muscle or tendon strength to actually pull the trigger. It's not just the, the tension on, on the end of your finger that's, that's pulling the trigger back. Yeah. I can get on the gun and get my finger on the trigger and get it into the right spot and get myself into the right spot and I can know it's not going to go off mm. until mm. I've actually pulled it with my finger, not just put my finger on it. Because yeah. I've, had, I've had triggers like that and yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't shoot them again. Well, the, the TAC-A1 with the two-stage trigger and that, I mean, you can lighten it up so you pull straight through the second stage and you've got no hope in hell of knowing that you've done it, you know, and I had it that light for a while and I had it so light that unless I was kind of dry firing it every day quite a lot, I wasn't in control of that trigger and I didn't for, you know, it sat in the safe for various reasons for a couple of weeks without me actually using it. I got it back out and went, snap, oh, that, oh hang on. And then on the trip, oh, dip, oh, okay, nah, it's got to go heavier because for me, yeah, that's exactly it. If I don't have control of that trigger and it goes off when I want it to, not, I'm not so big on this whole surprising you yeah, thing. I was going to say the same thing. I, I get it. I get it from maybe the new shooters where they're on the target, on the target, on the target, on the target, on the target. But at a certain point, you're like, I don't like the idea of a gun surprising me when it goes off. I want it to go off when I'm wanting it to go off. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's it's one of those it's one of those like there's many things in shooting that you sort of you initially get taught one way. At some point, you kind of go, actually, no, that's not really what I want to do. But that was that's probably still how I. I actually wouldn't even teach a brand new shooter these days to just depress until it's, you know, it's like, no, it's an intentional press of that trigger till the gun goes off. Yeah, I'm getting ready. I, yeah. want, the tri I want it to go off right now. And yeah. that's where it goes. Yeah. yeah. That's what I want. I don't, I don't want to wait for it to go. I, I want to tell it when I want it to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, so, and that's it. Yeah. Hence, another one of those those things that have changed over time with the, the shooting the fundamentals as well. Yeah, it um yeah the the surprising thing doesn't doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you 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 don't want your really fast car to surprise you with its power. No, no. no. Well, it, and then and then on 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 top of that as well, I have plenty of guys shoot my firearms. You know, I'm the first to go. Hey, go. Do you want to see what this like? Guys are coming out, and I get out my rig, which now. If you haven't seen them, you know, guys who have had hunting rigs getting into this and they haven't seen a, we'll call it a race or a comp rig. It's like, what the hell is that thing? Like, All right, get behind it and you'll see the different, what we're talking about and, and why we're going on about it. But um, yeah, I can't have a lightweight trigger on that. I don't want a lightweight trigger because I've heard guys, even in gun stores, where they talk about their super lightweight triggers and you'll get somebody behind the rifle and surprise them and ah, it goes off and they don't expect to, it gives them a fright. Stop being a douchebag. You're just yeah. inducing a flinch in somebody. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's not like the, safe. Same, same with the guys that have only shot 22s and then, then their mate gives them their 300 win mag to, to shoot. Yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, watch this. Yeah. I mean, stupid. Yeah. No, don't be a dick. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> much. So uh, on the, uh, not well, not recoiling heavy, although recoiled more than the other guns we were shooting, um, a... 
Now, somebody, and you may be able to, and I don't know my old guns, this is where Graham, and, and again, maybe you would pull me up, it was a Swiss, it was a Mauser, but I don't think it would have been a K98 then, but it was a 6.555 Swiss Mauser. 80-year-old gun? I don't know. The old, old fellow. Anyway, yeah, I've, I've shot the 303s. I've got a long tom sitting in the safe because I just needed to have a 303 infield at some time, and this long tom turned up, and I was like, yeah, if I'm going to do it, that'll be good. Um, man, that was a nice, easy gun to shoot. I mean, it was all iron sights, and I, I would need to spend more time with it to really figure out where the hell I was hitting anything standing. Um, uh, but, yeah, that was a, a, a nice old gun as a bit of a um, change, but unsuppressed, so I was reminded how loud guns are when they don't have suppressors on them, which is the other funny part of all this. Yeah. So I had a few guys trying to tell me lately that I need to put a um, muzzle brake on my 260, and uh, I'm just not interested I like, I like the suppressor still. I'm sure I'll get rid of a little bit of recoil, putting the um, the muzzle brake on it. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to try one. Um, ben from um, Apex Engineering, he's making some um, BYB engineer or BYA BY, BYB parts is what he's calling himself. Yeah. Um, and he's going to make me a muzzle brake, and I'll try it. But you know, I, I can't see it staying. I I can get it from a length point of view. Um, like with mine, it's a 20, I don't know, I don't know if Greg's listening in, but he, um, it's a 25, 26, 26 inch, I think yeah. we had it brought down to, but because of the, the girth of the barrel, it had to be a muzzle forward. So I've got the DPT on the end of it, which adds that much to it. So it's going to be a long gun, but I don't know. We'll see if I get totally hung up and start swearing at the tank traps and everything. But I also think sometimes we just take some baffles out lean back further <laughs> when I'm transferred. I don't, I honestly don't think that that maybe half second I'm going to split off my part time from doing that is the reason that I won't be shooting as well. It'll be because then I don't actually get everything else sorted out into my, and I miss the target, you know? So I, the length of the gun won't be why I miss a shot. That's for sure. Yeah. Mine, mine's just a 24 inch barrel. Um, yep. It's a over barrel suppressor, but I want to try, I want to try a muzzle forward run on it at some stage. Yeah. Just, to, just to try it and um, see if it shoots any better or any worse or different. Yep. So I'll be, I'm quite keen to try one. I've been, I'm trying to find a second-hand one at the moment. I don't want to buy a new one just for the sake of trying it. But probably what's, the th what's the thread? Uh, 14 by 1. 14 by 1. I'll have a look what I've got up here because I've got some of the – I've got the one that I had. Um, you don't know off the top of your head what a TAC A1 was? Ticker? No. No. Nah, I'll double-check. Yeah. It's still sitting there. So anyway, yes. But yeah, so, so I'm going to try that at some stage and just shoot some groups with it and see if it see if it changes anything at all. Yes. I'm I'm a firm believer in a lighter suppressor is better. Um, it's it's got to be um, you let less things that hanging off the end of your barrel. It's it's got to help. Mm. But yeah, we'll see see what it does. <laughs> so, something else to try out anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, you, we've talked about the section twenty-two. You mentioned you got some more details on another shoot coming up. Uh, yep. So uh, the next next big match is um, the PRS at Sparrowhawk. But I also yep. got some details for the Southern Position Challenge, in, um, which is so it's going to be about twenty minutes from Gore, which is way down the bottom of South Island. So it's on the weekend of the 20th and 21st of February next year. 
Um, yep. 20 minutes from Gore, uh, 48, limited to 48 competitors. Um, it's going to be, it's a full-on PRS match. So it's uh, fast-paced, running running and gunning, um, barricades, fences, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, so the it's two-day PRS match plus a long-range separate challenge. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a hundred and... 150 rounds total, I think. Uh, where's the total? I haven't got the total. Um, yeah, about 150 rounds total. Um, all the all the stages are going to be 200 meters to 400 meters, and 90 seconds to 150 seconds stages. Um, six to 12 rounds per stage. Um, yep. There's going to be one unlimited stage, um, so it's going to need at least nine rounds to clear the stage. Um, so I'm going to go for at least three magazine changes on that stage. <laughs> Whether I hit the targets or not, I don't really care. Just three mag stages. Yeah. Um, 18 stages total. Um, there's going to be, yeah, a few mag changes. Um, so day one is the PRS. Uh, 90, 90 rounds on day one and, uh, yeah, so 60 rounds on the next day. And then they've got a, on the set, the morning of the Saturday, there's a 10 shot challenge at a three, 600 square target at 1200 meters. And so the, um, whoever hits, gets the most hits on it is the winner. If there's a draw, then you go into a shootout. Oh, yeah. uh, and they've got, um, first, first place prize for the PRS match is a Carlos K525i scope with all the add-on bits, the sunshades, the caps, the throw levers, and the new SKMR4 reticle. So that's the first place prize. So that's pretty bloody that's substantial. That's a pretty good prize, yep. Yeah. Uh, Carlos also providing a number of other prizes, uh, rangefinders, bubble levels, um, and swag for um, ROs and competitors. Mm -hmm. um, MDT are doing the XR, new XRS chassis as a yep. prize. Um, got a Bartland barrel for the long range challenge uh, from Alpine Precision. There's um, other prizes from Section 22, Custom Guns, Shooters World and Gore, BYB Engineering, Apex Engineering, and Rifle Range Range Rifle Ranch Targets. Uh, doing a bunch of the targets and doing some prizes for that as well. Heard good things. So they've got a. Rifle, um, I've heard good things about Rifle Ranch Targets. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, they've got a Facebook group. It's Hokanui Precision Rifle Matches. Might want to spell Hokanui, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll add it into the uh, the group chat, actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's um, <coughs> been doing a lot of chatting about yeah, how, how the stages and matches are going to be run, and, um, yeah, it's going to be well, four, a lot of... Four, 400 is um, PRS style, so, yeah, if it's 400, things are going to be quick, and there's going to be a lot of moving and running, I'd say, for that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, uh, fences and tires and shooting off tractors and yep. uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah, moving, moving across across range and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be good fun. Awesome. Well, we're I mean slowly progressing. I caught up with Matt again, who's somewhere probably looking after children. Which you have to do occasionally. Um, so we're going to head back out. We've we've found a place potentially to look at a twenty-two shoot. And once we've done maybe one or two of those, who knows? We might be able to do a centre fire out there. Yeah, um, which would be cool. And I'm going to get off my ass. And um, I kept. I, I was looking at doing one a while ago up at Bounding Gown for a twenty-two shoot as well. So we'll do one up there. It'll be 
smaller numbers just because the nature of it but at least there with the 22s we can run it it's a bit quieter the nature of that range is we we just have to be careful with the amount of noise we make basically and um yeah we shall see we shall see uh Tokoro will be the next one for me i'm um debating if guys are listening in um from auckland areas and stuff and they're heading down there um give us a yell um so we can organize some i don't know either carpooling or road trips or something like that it's a good drive down and if you're with me the only thing i suppose i would uh threaten or warn you is there may be a microphone or series of microphones turned on to record the good yarns so does uh road trip rules the go by the strongest bladder or the weakest bladder what pays for the petrol or what's the when when do you get to stop Oh, right. Uh, when I pull over, if I'm driving, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, probably sooner because I don't really need anybody. I haven't had anyone piss in the back of my truck for a few years and don't really need that. Hey, uh, Sam Rudenklau, is that the gentleman organizing that? I think he may have corrected you, Blair. Wait, it's out to 800 meters? <laughs> did, I, did I not say 800 meters? I thought you said 400. Uh, no, or did I hear 800 and say 400? Maybe, I'm, who knows? I'm not sure. Okay. 200 meters to 400 meters. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's actually 800, Blair. Yeah. Okay. We'll just assume <laughs> I was wrong because that's <laughs> normally the case. <laughs> it's all good. I was, just, I was thinking it's short, but 800 is, uh, anyway, that's, that's, that makes sense either or. That's all good. Yeah. Yeah. But no, um, Sam Runclaw, he's the man. Uh, okay. He's into it. And uh, he's got a uh, nice six mil Creedmoor as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's all and, about uh, the six ACC chassis. Yeah. Is he shooting factory ammo as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, um, I'll, uh, I'll be picking up brass for you anyway, mate. I was going to say you need to like track me around and just catch all the brass, but it'd be a bit of a long trip to come just catch brass for me, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the kicker of it, eh, man? I'm just like, oh, I don't need the brass. I'm literally expending this and then I'll, I'll save it up. You can, I'll send it down to you. Yeah, yeah, no, ben, Ben's quite keen for it. He's building one up as well. So yep. that's Ben from BYB, BYB Engineering. Yep. So yeah, build, building up a um, on a Howard action. On his okay. And yep. um, yeah, he's got some got some Peterson brass for it, but um, you need some need some bunny brass and some wallaby brass as well, because yeah, all all our guns get used for everything down here. Well, that's the thing. I, I funny thing on the on the I went up to Balnagown on the Sunday and I had some thermals with me. I had one of the new Trail Two LRFs, I think it is, um, pulsars. So I just had it. I was hand holding it and, and scanning all the deer and everything. It's a game of state, so there's just animals everywhere. It's like it's phenomenal. Uh, but then a, a little um, hedgehog turned up, and I really wish I had the thing on a gun because I had full permission to shoot anything that wasn't a deer up there that was wandering around. So um, yeah, but the hedgehog got away. So I'll be back for the hedgehog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make sure you shoot it with your six mil. Yeah, well, that's what. Sorry, yeah, sorry. My point being is, yes, I've got the pick rail on top of that, so I'll just mount it on top and take a photo of one of the most ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, PRS comp thermal rigs and and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um last last Christmas we went to um uh, the station where Sparrowhawk ranges and we stayed there for a wee bit, and um I shot a plover with my um two sixty with the ninety five V maxes, doing thirty five hundred I think. Mm-hmm. It was only about fifty meters away and just completely exploded it. It was yep. very very entertaining. 
Yeah. Well, the seven mil Fat Max works quite well on magpies as well. They're good on bunnies. Uh, I don't, it wasn't my gun, but I had a had a gentleman out, and he had he didn't want to take. I don't think he'd use it for pest control. He was worried about fire cracking in the throat just from taking three rounds through it. Yeah. Um, but the thing was on. We confirmed it was zero. Turned around, about to shoot a plate, and, and a, a magpie turned up. And again, I know the owner is quite keen to get rid of magpies and plovers yeah. for that matter. But magpies. So I said to him, "It's like keen to get rid of magpies." Yeah, it was at three hundred meters, and I just said to him, "It's like, can you hit that?" And he's like, "Yep." I'm like, "You're confident?" Yep. He'll take it out, and he did, and the thing just exploded as well. So, um, yeah, that was that was very effective. But yeah, I mean, the thermals was interesting because I'd never really really used thermals or sat on a hill and just looked in the dark out at these animals, and I can see. Um, not from a hunting point of view, because I think if you if you want the the challenge of the hunt, well, that's kind of gone. But from pest control side of it, it would just be so much more efficient because you just suppress gun in the middle of the night. You could nail so many things because they knew what was going on. So yeah, well, even, even during the day, like wallaby shooting down here, you you get into a gorge and you have a look down into this gorge and you see five or ten wallabies across the across the way think you're doing pretty well and then you get your thermal out and have a look and there's actually 30 in there mm. and like you just got no idea until you get something like that in there yep yeah it's pretty astounding especially with the wallowies yeah they're bloody <laughs> everywhere so yes so that was that was me and i'll be up again next weekend i've got another uh private course group of guys coming up excuse me so that'll be good it'll be interesting to see if we've got more guys heading down to the comps which i'm i'm very happy seeing more and more people wanting to head out to those so that's good. I had a um, I had a couple actually out on the weekend applying for their license and got chatting to them afterwards because I had an inc- I had an inkling they were slightly different and um, to the nicest nicest way I'll put it is that they were a couple of nerds uh, as myself. That's my background as well. I I know that's why I reckon yeah exactly I recognise them. I'm like ah I I know you two. And um, sure enough, I started talking ballistics and the physics behind it. And she said, yeah, I'm doing a um, master's in physics at the moment. And he's doing, ah, sorry, doing a PhD in a, a subject in physics. And he was doing a master's in computer sciences. So I'm like, yeah, you're going to love long range. You're going to love ballistics and the science and the engineering and everything that goes underneath it. Because, um, yeah, just for, for people that way inclined, there's a whole world in there that's it's not even the gun it is it's gun related but it's it's not at the same time there's something else there as well which i i still find very appealing which i try and share with people not everyone gets it and not everyone has to but um few people yeah you give them an insight into that and yeah but in saying that a lot of the time you're better off just to keep it real simple oh look i I think it Yes, I spend a lot of time and, and people without fail will go, oh, but what about this? What about this? What about, I'm like, do you want to talk about Coriolis? Do you want to talk about Spindrift? I'll, ta- I'll tell you all about it and then I'm going to finish it with saying forget about everything we've just said because of the distances we're shooting at, it doesn't matter. And even if the distance is even longer distances, it may not matter as well. So um, I did a, who was it? No, I've taken it off the whiteboard. I did some maths for an upcoming course and I just wanted to practice on the whiteboard and figuring out some angle shooting stuff. And then I, I did all of it at the at the distances and everything, calculated how much of a um, mill adjustment and then went, hang on a minute, reverse the mill adjustment at the distance into centimetres and went, doesn't matter. <laughs> Not on anything that we're shooting at that distance and that size, none of that actually matters. 
yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, it's like, most of it all comes down to good fundamentals, spotting shots, and do, being able to repeat. Yeah. If, if you miss your first shot and you can repeat and you've seen where it went, just seconds good. Yeah, do it again. I, I still think a lot of people who haven't shot long or haven't done a lot of it feel that you're going to be 10 meters or 20 meters out or even further you know they're like we had the, this target at 700 and there was some in this case there's occasionally goats or deer actually turn up with around the targets and they're like oh what about that deer and i'm looking at it going well that thing's 30 meters away so it doesn't it, you know it won't care because we've done a blister calculation over a crony we've got a pretty good idea i know my elevation is a couple of meters and i know the wind is going to blow us a couple of meters off either side because there's a slight correction and you shoot and you're like yeah you you're you're just off the plate that's that's our error that we're going on if something is way out then we've calculated something completely wrong and it, it shouldn't be it should be a couple of meters either side when the wind is pissing you around um, but yeah, if you take a shot and see it, well, you won't see it hit 30 meters away somewhere. Um, yeah, something is, is way wrong and you need to stop very quickly rather than sending another one down there and figure out what's wrong. Yeah, at the, um, at the last King of the Range match um, that Sam DuPont organized at Sparrowhawk, we had um, uh, second day, I think we were 35 to 40k wins and it was just constant all day. And um, a year ago, people wouldn't have been even close. They probably would have packed up and gone home. Mm. Um, but extra year with practice and getting target range down at target. And most people were within a meter, maybe two max off at a mile. Yeah. And 35, 40K wins. And it, it was astounding. Like these guys, like they're all good shooters, but they hadn't done a huge amount past seven or eight hundred meters was the normal go-to thing um everyone's had a bit of a crack at a k sort of thing but yeah not everyone shot at a mile and um like everyone was within a shot or two was getting very very close to the plate and a lot of guys were left and right and left and right of the plate but still within half a plate pretty much within a shot and yeah it's it's pretty astounding well and like I, I tell guys who are coming out, you know, just because we've hit a six size target or a 300 mil round target at 700 meters, I am not saying that you now have my seal of approval to go out and start shooting animals at that distance. Yeah. Because it's hopefully you realize that, yes, you've hit it and it took us a couple of shots to get on there and then the other ones are going flying off. Then we've got another one on. But that shot at 300 meters suddenly feels a lot more approachable and comfortable, which in turn makes you more likely to hit it because you are comfortable shooting that distance. So you just get on and do it. You're not again, overthinking it. Um, and I suppose that's a goal for me for a lot of target shooting. I, I still don't have a lot of intention to do long range. I keep on doing this, but long range hunting just don't have that intention. I know guys, you guys down there, it's, it's maybe a bit more common, but by shooting far, by shooting this target, sizing when i'm then at 100 meters or 50 meters i'm not panicky about it i'm i'm the, there's already enough going through because your heart rate's up because you're going to shoot a live living thing generally that the the last concern i need is my actual shooting at that distance and it isn't normally so yeah cool all right man well we've had a good old natter so uh <laughs> anything else to add in 
before we uh, sign off for another night. No. When are you coming down for the next match? I don't know, man. There's a lot going on, which I'll tell you about later. There's a lot going on in my life. But, yes, sometime soon. I do. Last time I was down there, the guys down there, yourself, Sam, everybody down there was awesome. And, you know, I've got more patches to wear on my shirt now and make myself look. I need a, I, There needs to be, like, an Auckland patch. We need, like, yeah. a 09 patch or something. I'll figure that out. Um, bring your orange jacket down again, though. I'll bring my orange jacket down. I've still got it, man. I've got it patched up by the boys at Twin Needle because I managed to rip it with one of my shooting tripods. So, you know, it's actually got battle scars on it and everything. Who knows? Maybe the fad will be uh, orange puffer jackets by the time I get down there, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> but I've got this, so I'll be able to tighten up my own action screws. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you very much, Blair. Uh, people wanting to find out more about you, Section 22, Facebook, best bet, yep. isn't it? Section 22 on Facebook and Section 22 NZ on Instagram um, and Section 22 on uh, YouTube. What's your grinder account? Uh, that is, you know that. <laughs> you know, don't uh, give it out? No? Okay, right. Fair, fair. <laughs> everyone, that's, everyone that needs it's already got it. Yeah, of course, of course. No, it's all good, man. Um, There's a heap, heap of videos up on the um, YouTube yeah. account of the last few matches. Um, yes. So yeah, well, that's, that's the, a grinder people hitting you up yeah, right now. Yeah, I can hear it is. It. Yeah. yeah. So the guys that um, maybe haven't seen or know what some of the matches to expect, um, some of those videos are a good way to to explain what what's going on. Yep. Pretty easy when you look look at what they're doing. There's not a huge amount going on them. Well, the other thing I encourage guys, actually, just when I think about it, it's, I'm going to do an article on it because I'm harping on it about it is um, dry fire and dry fire. Not only for the, the fundamentals of shooting, but also just dry fire of, uh, firearms manipulation. So get a hobby horse out, put it on a put your gun on a bipod underneath and get kind of comfortable with the, the mechanics of moving, picking your gun up, bolt open, whatever the, the safety or bolt open, let's just work with that, bolt open, moving into a position, getting a bag, getting comfortable, go back under. And I did that for a lot in the early days when I didn't, you know, I wasn't nothing out. It's just like, let's get in position, down, click. Get down into position, click. Get into position. Just the just getting comfortable with moving a firearm around yeah. without waving the thing everywhere, so, and um, getting your bag in the right position. Yeah, like, just dropping it where it's going to go. It's not going to sit right. You need to <laughs> put it where where it needs to go and pack it down a little bit. And and um, yeah, like, dump right. and pat. Yeah, give it give it a wee pat on top. Yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> All right, mate. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers, buddy. See ya. See ya.